This is a 980 CKNW podcast. You are live with Get Connected. Uh, We've got a great program uh, in store for you today. We're going to learn uh, about Bitcoin. I know there's so much news about it, and I know people are still confused about how it all works. How can I buy it? How can I sell it? Uh, We will be giving you kind of the the lowdown, uh, the... The 101 uh, on that. Uh, we'll also uh, be talking uh, a lot more uh, about some of the tech gift ideas for the holidays as well. We've got uh, one of our friends from London Drugs to talk about digital smart home gifts. On the line right now, uh, I've got uh, one of my friends, Michael Vogel from NetCoins. Thanks for joining us, Michael. Hey, my pleasure. I wanted to get you on the program because the whole Bitcoin thing is going crazy right now. Uh, Bitcoin, what's it? what's its value now? Yeah, the, the price of Bitcoin is well over 22,000 Canadian now, around 16,000 U.S. Um, it, it's really just seen a, an astronomical increase. Um, earlier in the month, Bitcoin crossed 10,000 U.S. for the first time, and uh, that's when uh, it's been getting a lot more increased attention and, uh, and uh, a lot more people using it, and that's, that's driven the, the price up since then. So let's talk about uh, Bitcoin and the value. Uh, at the beginning of 2017, how much was one Bitcoin worth? Yeah, it was under a thousand dollars in January, probably around eight hundred dollars uh, Canadian. And and now it's twenty two thousand Canadian. Could could you even dream that it would increase that much in one year? Oh, no, it, it's unbelievable. Yeah, I mean, w- when I got started in Bitcoin back in twenty fourteen, Bitcoin was around you know two three hundred four hundred bucks. Um, and you know, looking back, it it, uh, it, it it just seems unfathomable that it would happen so soon. Um, but uh, here we are. <laughs> And a lot of people are saying that uh, you have to be careful. Uh, you know, this is a bubble. Eventually, it's going to crash. Um, th- yeah, there's different schools of thought on that. I, I, my personal opinion uh, is that Bitcoin isn't in a bubble. Um, other cryptocurrencies may be experiencing that. But um, I think the long-term value of Bitcoin is there. And, and also for the, for the fact that, you know, if you go on the street and ask 10 people, do you have Bitcoin? You know, probably 9 out of 10 are going to say no. So, yeah. you know, if, if seven, eight, nine, ten of the people were saying, yes, I have Bitcoin, then I'd say we were probably entering bubble territory. But uh, I don't think we're there yet. Uh, Bitcoins. There's, there's a finite amount of Bitcoins uh, that will ever be available. Yes, the, the, the Bitcoin algorithm uh, allocates around 21 million Bitcoins will, will ultimately be in circulation. So it's a finite amount. Uh, you can't create more of them. And uh, that's partly why uh, we see this, this, this price increase, right? It comes down to supply and demand, ultimately. I know a lot of people are jumping on the bandwagon because uh, trying to purchase Bitcoin because they've seen the value increase so dramatically. Is it a good time to get into Bitcoins? Should people be putting their life savings into this? Uh, well, so I never give financial advice to, to anyone, and I always tell new people that are, that are interested in Bitcoin, um, obviously, uh, you know, don't don't uh, don't just jump all in if you don't understand it. Kind of uh, take the Warren Buffett approach. If, if you do want to invest in Bitcoin, make sure you understand what it is first and, and invest for the right reasons. Don't don't invest for a you know fear of missing out uh, mentality. Uh, Bitcoin does have a very very strong value proposition, um, but uh, but be you know be informed, experiment, and you know you can start with one dollar of Bitcoin and just kind of build from there. Well, you mentioned Warren Buffett. He's he's not a fan of Bitcoin. Uh, yeah, he, he, well, he's, he's got enough dollars, so I'm, I'm sure he doesn't need any Bitcoin. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so for the listeners, what, what do they have to know to get started uh, with Bitcoin? Like, you know, how, how can they purchase Bitcoin? Yeah, so the uh, what I recommend for, for the listeners uh, listening right now is just pop open your smartphone and hop onto the App Store 
and just type in Bitcoin wallet. And a wallet is how you store Bitcoins. Uh, there's a bunch of different free apps. Blockchain is a popular one. And so you can kind of get an idea of what that app looks like, how Bitcoins are stored. Um, if you want to buy Bitcoin, uh, there's, there's machines called Bitcoin ATMs across Canada. And, uh, and my company, Netcoins, is, is one of those service providers. But you can, you can go to lots of different stores and, and load up this wallet with Bitcoins. And so what kind of, uh, wa- like, what are some of the names of these wallet apps that people can, can use? Yeah, the, the most common one is, is called Blockchain. Uh, the Blockchain app has a little blue logo with a B. So if, if you're on iPhone or, or Android, you'll see that. Uh, there's, there's a bunch of other ones, uh, Jax, Wallet, Mycelium, Electrum. Uh, there's a, a whole variety. Uh, they're all free apps. So, uh, you know, we've, we've seen some stories, uh, you know, these Bitcoin exchanges uh, where uh, Bitcoins are bought and sold. Uh, they've been hacked uh, and people, you know, have lost millions of dollars in Bitcoins. Like, how do you protect yourself against something like that? Yes, and this is the other reason why I recommend people start, start small and get comfortable. Um, with Bitcoin, you become the bank, right? And so there, there's a pro and con to that. The, 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 the con is obviously that you, know, you, you have to look after your own Bitcoin security. Um, and uh, and the, the counter is you have full control over your Bitcoins at any given time. Uh, when, you ha- when you have your Bitcoin wallet downloaded, you can back it up. There's a 12-word recovery phrase that you can write down and use that to restore your Bitcoins. Um, a lot of these high-profile hacks that we've seen are when, when uh, people trust their Bitcoins with a third party, like, with, like an online exchange. In those scenarios, you're not actually holding the Bitcoins yourself. You're trusting that third party to, to hold them. And so that's where you can be vulnerable to hacking. Whereas if you have your own blockchain wallet and it's backed up and secured, um, you know, as long as you don't forget your password, then, then you're, you're a lot more secure. Tell me how your, your, your system, work. you, uh, system works. You actually have ATMs in, in various locations, like Bitcoin ATMs. Yeah, well, our product is called a virtual ATM, so, so stores can sell Bitcoin you know, from an iPad or a point-of-sale terminal. And uh, we're also in a lot of uh, stores where, where customers can buy a, a prepaid voucher, it's called a FlexiPin, and then they can, you know, if they want to buy 20 bucks or 500 bucks or whatever, they can buy that voucher and then redeem it into Bitcoin on our website. And is there a limit to, as to how much they can buy? Uh, different stores have different limits. We, we detail that on our site. Um, but uh, you know, for the average customer wanting to wanting to buy you know thousand dollars or under, uh, we have lots of options all across Canada and, and also some flagship stores for for uh, amounts above that. So Bitcoin's just one of the cryptocurrencies out there. There's other ones like Ethereum. Uh, are there other ones that you'd recommend looking at right now? Yeah, kind of the the, the top market cap uh, in terms of value and circulation is there's there's Bitcoin, uh, Ethereum, um, uh, Ripple is another one, and uh, Litecoin are sort of the the main the main ones. And which one's your favorite? Uh, I, I'm a big Bitcoin believer. It's, it's the one I've followed since the, since the beginning. And I think, you know, obviously, if we didn't have Bitcoin, we wouldn't have the other the currencies. So um, Bitcoin is my favorite. But, uh, you know, Ethereum is very useful for, uh, for business, business-to-business, smart contract applications. I think it has a lot, lot of long-term potential. Uh, Ripple is interesting because of, of the banking angle. Uh, Ripple is, is, is hoping to, to be used one day to, uh, to replace things like wire transfers, and, uh, and traditional bank instruments. So I think those those four that I mentioned all have have interesting use cases um, that, that make them unique. Do you think that uh, these cryptocurrencies can ever really uh, you know become mainstream uh, types of currencies that we can truly use uh, to to pay for things? I know there's a lot of websites you can use Bitcoin on right now, but a lot of people complain that uh, you know Bitcoin and these other cryptocurrencies are so volatile. Like their their value can change, uh, you know, dramatically. You know, hundreds if not thousands of dollars in one day. 
Exactly. Yeah. And that's why I think we're still in very much early days for, for the cryptocurrency industry in general. Um, I think we've gone past the tipping point. I think the, the, the cryptocurrency thing will happen and is happening. Um, how it actually uh, gets used in day-to-day lives is, remains to be seen. I, I think kind of long-term what, what I think will probably happen is Bitcoin will power the payment gateways behind the scenes. So maybe you'll end up buying something at, at Walmart with uh, some kind of payment card, but it's actually powered behind the scenes with Bitcoin. Um, that's, that's where I see it going long, long-term, especially in, in, in North America. Um, internationally, we may see Bitcoin uh, being adopted as a, as, as a day-to-day currency. Maybe not now because it's very volatile, but we have seen use cases in particular you know, Zimbabwe or, or Argentina, uh, Venezuela, where there's been um, issues of local banking conflict. And Bitcoin and cryptocurrency have actually been a, a, a solution that, that uh, citizens were able to use albeit volatile, but it'll at least give them access to, to liquidity during a times of banking crisis. So in summary, for people that are just uh, looking to get into maybe purchasing a little bit of Bitcoin, what are, what are a few uh, quick steps here that you could recommend? Uh, yeah, so uh, the step one would be to download that Bitcoin wallet. So hop on the App Store, type Bitcoin wallet, just kind of get an idea of what that looks like. Uh, if you, you decide you want to load that wallet up with some funds, then... Uh, then hop on Google and look for a, a Bitcoin ATM near you, or, uh, or like I said, on, on our site, we have a, a map as well uh, where people can find a, a local retailer that sells Bitcoin. Very cool. And how many ATMs do you guys have? Uh, through our virtual network, we have access to around 3,000 stores across Canada. Uh, a lot of them aren't physical machines, but they, uh, they sell the, the voucher that you can then redeem into Bitcoin on our website. Very cool. Uh, and again, uh, the website netcoins.com? Uh, yeah, it's, it's gonetcoins.com or also netcoins.ca. We'll take you there, too. We've been talking with uh, our friend Michael Vogel uh, from Netcoins uh, all about uh, cryptocurrencies and Bitcoin. When we come back from the break, still more tech to talk. We'll be uh, getting some gift ideas from our friend Julian Sanders uh, on digital connected home ideas uh, for the loved ones in your life. And uh, we'll also get some uh, predictions about what's happening in the tech world in 2018. And, of course, uh, App of the Week with Christina at the end of the program. You're listening to Get Connected, brought to you by Lund Drugs here in the Chorus Radio Network, back after this. You are back with Get Connected. Mike Agarbo here in studio today. I want to talk uh, Christmas tech ideas, and uh, no better person to help me than Julian Sanders from London Drugs. Thanks for coming on the line, Julian. Hey, thanks for having me. This week I uh, want to talk about uh, connected home stuff, and this seems to be an exploding category right now. It is just huge. Oh, for sure. It's the one that I got the most questions about for my customers by far, coming in off the street. And, you know, I want to talk about this now because I I feel finally we're getting to the place where this stuff actually works and is fairly easy to set up. In the past, it was kind of spotty. For sure. And there's uh, there's two basic uh, systems in place right now. So um, the majority of the products available to people in Canada are either going to work in uh, something called Apple HomeKit, which is unique to Apple devices. Uh, You control it from your iPhone, iPod, Apple TV, uh, or the Google Home system. So the Google HomeKit, it's called. Uh, Google Home is the easy way to refer to it. Uh, And that one works from almost anybody's products, including Apple's. Uh, They've got apps available for everybody's stuff. So if you're into the Apple side of the tech world, there's a lot of different um, Elgato products that can control your entire house. And uh, they've become also one of the things about not just easy, 
um, to set up. One of the things I really have been waiting for is the prices to come down because it's very achievable now to get the accessories that you need to connect your entire house. Um, I know in my, uh, my two-bedroom house, I would like to have about four light switches uh, that can be controlled for home security and for my own convenience. And uh, you can do that with the Apple HomeKit system for about $50 a light switch. And uh, the regular sixty-nine, uh, $49 to $69, uh, depending on your light switches, pop into your closest London drugs. Uh, we, also, we have them available for either the light switch itself or as a home power outlet. To set them up, to, um, if, you, if you don't know what a smart outlet does, Basically, uh, it allows you to turn it on and off from your phone. So whatever you plug into that, uh, that little adapter will be able to be turned on and off either on a schedule or uh, that you choose or uh, maybe when you're in proximity to it. Um, I've got a little trick to, uh, to show people in the store. When my phone goes near uh, the demo of the uh, light switch, it turns on. So the idea is that you come home from work for the day, you walk in the house, and then your lights just turn on. It, it's only able to do that because it knows your phone just walked in the door and the little adapters on your light switches all talk to your phone, which just came in. So you can time it all up nice there. I have that with my front door lock. I've got a smart uh, August uh, lock, and it is fantastic. I come home from the grocery store, my, my hands and arms full of grocery bags, and I don't have to fumble with the keys anymore. It just automatically unlocks for me. It is like magical. Oh, and that it's something out of Star Trek, isn't it? Like walk up to the door and it opens for you. All we need is little motors now on the door to actually <laughs> pop it open for you, hey? <laughs> I, I think that's coming. Uh, so you talked about Elgato. That worked specifically with the, the Apple side. Uh, and, you know, I kind of recommend people, you know, figure out what your ecosystem is going to be and, you know, try to find products that might work with a number of different uh, categories, right? Oh, for sure, yeah. A lot of people got onto the Chromecast over the last couple of years. Um, Google's inexpensive streaming uh, adapter and uh, the Google Home system works amazing um, all together. The Chromecast kind of opened the floodgate and now they have several Google Home products available. Um, the Google Home Mini is only $79 regular price and the uh, idea is that it's a little box that's always connected to the internet that you can voice control everything with. So you can actually say, you know, lock the front door before Mike comes home and uh, it, it, if all of the systems are compatible with the Google Home, it'll actually control that smart lock for you. It'll control almost any, um, uh, any Wi-Fi connected device uh, that's part of the Android Google Home system. So it's, uh, it, it's pretty incredible. I actually was uh, trying to stump the Google Home by um, uh, continually telling it that I was driving further away and it continually corrected traffic and the, ma- and the amount of time it would take to travel there under current road conditions, including snow, and there was ice and rain in the way, and it warned me about all those and then changed my route dramatically. So you can even use it for, you know, hands-free doing, maybe you're in the middle of doing the dishes, you can talk to your Google Home and then get stuff done in your calendar. It's pretty incredible. What's your favorite connected home device? Uh, right now, it is the uh, the Chromecast 4K. Uh, it's kind of the linchpin in most people's network where they want to be able to talk to their TV. The uh, Chromecast Ultra 4K is uh, is speedy, fast. Anybody with a tablet or a uh, or a smartphone can easily uh, take advantage of the full power, and they don't have to be a big nerd to do it. 
The other one is actually the uh, the VTech um, Kids Smartwatch. It's got a bunch of little apps on there for kids between the ages of about five and eleven. Uh, it has little um, lessons that they can do in both French and English. Uh, it's geared towards uh, kids in Canada where they uh, can actually update through uh, parents' complement app on their phone, and you can find the kid through GPS. So the kids actually can start playing with little treasure maps and other things on there, uh, all nice and safe, for $79. So my favorite uh, Get Connected, or my favorite Home Connect uh, thing is actually the VTech Kids Smartwatch. Why not let the kids goof around with your smart plugs, right? It's uh, Yeah, it's cool. And VTech, uh, great uh, little Canadian company uh, as well. We're talking with Julian Sanders from London Drugs about uh, connected home gift ideas for Christmas. Thanks for joining us. And obviously people can find this stuff in store and online. You got it. When we come back, more tech to talk on Get Connected. Stay tuned. You are back with Get Connected. Mike Agarbo here in studio. We still have lots to talk about on today's program as far as tech is concerned, including App of the Week with Christina later on. Right now, I want to uh, look to the future. 2018, Deloitte has released its 2018 technology, media, and telecommunications predictions. Always love having uh, these guys on to talk about the future because they're right most of the time. Uh, we've got Duncan Stewart, the Director of Research, on the line. Thanks for joining us, Duncan. Uh, thanks for having me on today. And, uh, I mean, we're right most of the time, but we keep a scorecard. It's only 90%, so we've still got a little room for <laughs> You're bragging now. <laughs> I am, I am. Uh, let's uh, just dive into some of the predictions for 2018. And this is uh, things that uh, you guys are saying is going to impact the Canadian marketplace. Let's talk first about machine learning. Explain first what machine learning is and then what, how's that's going to shape uh, Canada in the coming years. Yeah, no, that's too hard. Um, okay, machine learning is a subset of cognitive technologies, which is a subset of artificial intelligence. Machine learning is that thing where computers, usually in data centers, although sometimes on our mobile devices like smartphones, machine learning is a way where neural networks on the, the data center or, or, or the mobile device looks at data and trains on that data and then develops an algorithm that then allows it to say, not only, you know, this is a face, this is your eyebrows, this is your dog, this is your dog Hank, and it, 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 it does all of that. Now, those are sort of the more consumer, more trivial applications, uh, but it's a very powerful thing that's been exploding since 2009. What Deloitte's saying is it's about to, it, there's about to be yet another tipping point or another big bang. The chips that are used in the data center to drive machine learning, uh, you know, historically have been pretty expensive and used a lot of electricity. There's a new generation of machine learning chips that are really taking off this year or, uh, or upcoming year, and they're going to make machine learning uh, 10 or 100 times more affordable and uh, easier to use. So we're looking for yet another explosion in the uses of machine learning. Some of it's going to be consumer stuff, but a lot of it's at the enterprise. As part of this prediction, we see uh, the number of pilots and implementations used by companies here in Canada doubling in 2018 compared to the year before, and then doubling again by 2020. So uh, there's a lot of overhyped technologies out there. Machine learning is, is not overhyped. It, it's in fact all coming true. So where are we seeing machine learning right now that uh, people can wrap their heads around? Language. Uh, you know, Google Translate and stuff like that. You know how it actually works, and last year it didn't work? That would be an example. <laughs> uh, uh, image recognition. The example I use is, is the tagging of a dog. That's not a, that's not a joke. That's a real example. Historically, our smartphones, when we took pictures and built libraries, it knew a few years ago it knew people's faces, and then last year it knew it was my wife's Barbara, Barbara's face. 
This year, it actually says, this is a dog. I know it's a dog. As a matter of fact, I know it's your dog. Do you want to tag this as Hank? And my dog, Hank, is now getting tagged in all my photos, and other Bernese Mountain dogs are not. So that gives you an idea. If machine learning can be used for something as trivial as tagging my dog, it can be used for almost anything. Should we be worried about this? No, 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 no. So there's, there's the machine learning is, is literally stuff like I just described. You know, uh, although interestingly, uh, you may have seen the news uh, that just came out that uh, Google found uh, in another star system an eighth planet that was done through machine learning. So some of this stuff is pretty rocket sciencey, but none of it is artificial intelligence at the level of Skynet. This is this is really simple stuff of of you know detecting faces and patterns and stuff like that. So you're saying because the um, the price of these chips have come down dramatically, it's going to explode over the next few years. Bingo! It's it's like back back in 1909, you could get you could get a car for 3,500 dollars or something like that, which was a heck of a lot of money in the 90, early 1900s. And then somebody came out with one that cost 500 bucks, and all of a sudden everybody was driving cars. It's exactly like that. When something becomes really useful and really much cheaper, all of a sudden we see adoption and implementation expand dramatically. Let's uh, move along uh, the predictions. Uh, is there an ad allergic? epidemic, ad blocking across media. Tell us about this. Yeah, see, I made up that word, Adler, Jake, and uh, I think you guys laughed at it when I when I used this one in Vancouver. Um, what I'm talking about is people know about ad blocking, and, and Canadians have ad blockers on their computers, and some of us have ad blockers on our phone, and some of us own PVRs and like AdSkip all the time. Some of us subscribe to music services like Spotify that are ad-free. Some of us have streaming video on-demand services like Netflix that are ad-free. And then, of course, there's my favorite, which is the low-tech ad blocking. You know, do you ever do you ever change the channel when a commercial comes on, or or change the station? Uh, not, of course, from from CKNW. Ever. No, never. No, that would be wrong. But but people have been known to change channels in in in, in the radio stations as well. We surveyed Canadians uh, just this last year, and and folks from the U.S. as well, and we asked them about all of those seven kinds of ad blocking, and and some are higher and some are lower. But what we did that nobody's ever done before is we put it all together, and we found out that about twenty percent of Canadians don't block any ads at all. Okay, cool. About 80% block at least one kind. Uh, about half block two or more. About a third block. Th- about 6% of Canadians are blocking more than half the ads they see. And we call those people adlergic. And the reason I'm telling you this is that number is growing year over year. So that percentage of the population that's adlergic. We're also probably going to play catch up in the States. That number in the States is already 10%. So almost double the level of Canada. The other thing, though, is that this adlergic epidemic is really driven by specific demographics. So these are 18 to 34-year-olds are more likely to be adlergic, people with higher incomes, more education, and those who have jobs are all more likely to block more ads. Now, the reason I mention that is we're talking about advertising and all those things, you know, young, higher income, more education. Those are desirable demographics. So this is a real, it's not a crisis for the industry, but it's something that advertisers are very much aware of. Why should we care about this? As consumers? Yes. Eh, you don't have to. <laughs> <laughs> but as as. as 
remember that uh, if if people if people don't see ads and if nobody sees any ads, then we're going to have to pay more. I mean, as an example, the reason that CKNW is available for free in my car when I'm driving around the Vancouver area is because it's got ads on it. If nobody hears any of the ads, they're going to start charging. Same with TV. Same with all kinds of content. If the if advertising isn't part of the solution, that means it's going to be a pure subscription model, and that's going to be a lot more expensive. So so as consumers, we care if ads go away. As advertisers, they care because they want to they want to get their message out there. Advertising is a big industry in Canada and worldwide. It's uh, nearly a trillion dollars worldwide. Just in Canada, it's uh, it's it's well over thirty to forty billion dollars a year. So don't block the ads so you can have free stuff still, you're saying? Well, no, you can block them. But if you do, you know what advertisers are going to do? They're going to put more ads in your social media feed because you can't <laughs> block them there. They're going to make more product sponsorships, more logos on the when the Canucks are playing and you see all those logos on the board, there's going to be more logos and bigger ones because you, you can't ad block a logo. You can't ad block a billboard. If you, if you want to see the trees in Vancouver, uh, you know, there might be a few billboards in front of them. This segues into our next thing, digital media, well worth paying for. Yeah, we've got uh, we've got people getting subscription after subscription after subscription. We're predicting that this year, uh, the average person in Canada already has two uh, online subscriptions, and we predict by 2020 we'll have four. Now, those might be video, and you know, here in Canada, that's probably going to be Netflix and maybe one other music, something like Spotify, gaming. There's people who play games by subscription, and of course, there's news for paywalls and stuff like that. If you want to if you want to access certain newspapers, you have to pay money in order to in order to get unlimited access. I guess the world is changing. You know, a lot of us have uh, been used to things like uh, cable TV and, and what have you, but that's, that's all kind of crumbling now with uh, the likes of the Spotify's and the Netflix and, and, and all these other uh, content subscription services. Yeah, we see hundreds of millions of subscriptions around the world and tens of millions in Canada. So, uh, you know, that's, that's part of it. If you, if you want, you can pay more. Uh, and in some cases, uh, those have different ad loads. But it's the idea that we're going to have more than one, right? You know, back historically, people might have had one digital media subscription. Going forward, we think the new normal is two, maybe even four. We're talking with Duncan Stewart from Deloitte about uh, the technology and media predictions for 2018. We want to hear a few more, including things about uh, augmented reality uh, after the break here. So stay tuned. You're listening to Get Connected, brought to you by our friends at London Drugs here in the Chorus Radio Network. Back after this. You are back with Get Connected. Mike Agarbo here in studio. We're uh, talking about predictions for 2018 when it comes to things like uh, technology, media, telecommunications on the line. We have Duncan Stewart. He's uh, talking about uh, Deloitte's uh, yearly technology, media, and telecommunications predictions. Uh, Let's talk about augmented reality. Uh, I know we hear this all the time. Explain to our listeners in a nutshell what it's about. Well, augmented reality, there's two forms. There's the kind where you wear a pair of glasses. Uh, that's, we're not predicting that's going to take off this year. People just don't like wearing those sorts of glasses. What we do see happening, though, is augmented reality on our smartphone. This is when you look down at the screen of your phone and you hold it up, and there's a, a layer, uh, an image on your phone that comes between you and the, the real scene in the background, and that's called augmented reality. We think this is really uh, going to be a lot more popular in 2018 for a bunch of reasons. 
the hardware, the, the chips inside phones, as well as software that enables augmented reality, is much more powerful so that these effects are much more realistic and photorealistic and engaging. So we think people are going to use this to play games. And of course, on social media, all of those, you know, emojis and uh, bunny ears being drawn on your face and sticking out your tongue and stuff like that, that's all augmented reality photos and videos. And we predict that around the world, over a billion people will actually create augmented reality content in 2018. Now, about half of them are kind of the bunny ears type things, uh, relatively trivial, but there's lots more serious applications. Uh, just as an example, you can buy furniture using VR, uh, sorry, AR, augmented reality, where you, you, know, you hold your phone up and you can see what, is that, what would that chair look like in that corner. And, and there's realistic lighting and shadows and color and all that kind of stuff. One of the other things is that we are, uh, are going to see lots of games. Uh, tape measures, here's a fun one. You know, you can uh, hold your phone up and you can go, hey, how wide is that doorway? How, will that new sofa fit inside? inside? Uh, we actually just did this uh, a couple weeks ago. We had to size something to bring it upstairs. And, and so virtual tape measures uh, on your smartphone will be an example of augmented reality. It's really fascinating. I, I've tried the IKEA uh, augmented reality app on the iPhone. It is amazing. Like I, I have my smartphone held up, you know, with the camera, I can see my living room and I can basically uh, drop pieces of IKEA furniture and move them around in the room and change their colors and everything. And it's photorealistic. It is, it is amazing. It works really well. Um, I will say the augmented reality meatballs and gravy aren't quite as good. They're not there yet, but they're coming along. You know, they're coming along. Let's uh, talk about uh, live events in the online world. What kind of money are we talking here? Well, this is this is a weird one in that it's I don't want to make it just about the online world. Instead, what we're talking about is live revenues around the world are five hundred and forty-five billion. Uh, it would be seventeen point five billion dollars here in Canada is is stuff that's live. Now, there's a lot of different things inside live. Some of it's TV. Um, although a lot of people own DVRs, actually only about ten percent of Canadian viewing is done uh, recorded. Ninety uh, percent of all TV is still watched live. Cinema. When you go and watch the new, uh, maybe the new Star Wars movie. We watch that live in a crowd with other people. You know, there's a schedule and it's on, and, and it, we, we see it when, when somebody else tells us to. There's big business conferences, uh, but there's, of course, other stuff like live performances, uh, uh, you know, live music, uh, go, go see a concert, sports, go watch the Canucks. That's a, that's a big business worldwide. Uh, interestingly, worldwide, and you'll, you'll appreciate this, do you know that radio advertising is almost the same size as the amount of money as people pay to go to sports events? About 32, 33 billion dollars each worldwide for radio so there's a radio 32 billion and by the way radio is is not falling the way tv is even with younger people radio numbers are kind of hanging in there that's both in canada and around the world so yeah radio is bigger than you think um there is some digital stuff like esports and live streaming but on that five uh, 545 billion worldwide on that 545 only 8 billion is stuff like live streaming and esports it's growing but it's still incredibly small compared to the traditional live business i mean just you know, people paying money to go out and see uh, see the Rolling Stones or Bruce Springsteen. Now, Springsteen, here's an example. Springsteen's uh, go doing these shows in New York on Broadway. I don't know if you've seen that. Uh, I'd love to go see it, but I can't. The tickets are currently being scalped for 4500 bucks U.S. each. And, and, I mean, that just gives you a sense of the demand people have to see something live. Yeah, you could watch a recording of Bruce in, in, on Broadway. Or would you rather, how much money would you pay to see them live? And some people, some people are paying $10,000 for a couple people. Is there an opportunity there for the online world? 
Not really, because people don't want to do it online. That's <laughs> my point, right? Yeah. I mean, y- yes, you could, you could stream, Bruce, but you don't want to. There is a value we have in an ever-increasingly digital world. There is a value to actually seeing something live that isn't just a digital rendering of something else. So we actually have to be out with other humans still. I'm sorry, yes, we have to mingle with the humans just occasionally, just just every now and then. It was interesting, again, just back to radio, because I'm on radio here in CKNW, uh-huh. and uh, that's heartening to know that uh, billions of dollars are still being spent on radio advertising. Do you see that decreasing? Is that, that world going to change? Radio's hanging in there. It's weird. People have predicted it's going to kind of go away, because, like, you know, I could have my phone in my car, Bluetooth it to the audio system, and play my my podcast or my, my music or my Spotify. And people do that. People do that. But a lot of people get into a car, and they turn the radio on, and they listen. And whether that's NW98 or something else, are, are you guys still 98? 980, yeah. You oh, bet. okay. Yeah, you you're right. Yeah, sorry, I grew up in Vancouver. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, whether it's that station or another one, people around the world continue to listen to broadcast terrestrial radio uh, in their literally billions of people uh, hours per day. Well, it's true, because I, I know uh, in my car I've got Bluetooth, and yeah, occasionally I listen to some of my you know, Apple music, or maybe I'll listen to a podcast, but I've got to be honest, in pretty well every trip, I always kind of go back to radio just to see what's going on from a local yeah. perspective. So uh, I'm, I'm glad radio is going to be hanging around. Uh, where can people find out more information about uh, these predictions, Duncan? Oh, we've got a website, uh, www.tmtpredictions.ca. Uh, it's, got, it's got all kinds of stuff there. There's the full documents, there's infographics, there's summaries. Uh, there's even a small puppet show that I did. No, that, there's no puppet <laughs> show. But there's, there's lots of other things out there that you can do. And, uh, of course, uh, I, know I'm, I know this is being broadcast in Vancouver. We're even having an event in Vancouver. Uh, so to keep an eye out on the Deloitte website. The registration link isn't up yet, uh, but we are, uh, we are coming out to Vancouver on, I think it's Jan 25, so uh, um, let me just double-check that one here. I got it I got it in front of me. No, I don't. I can't find it. Anyway, sometime in January, I'm coming to Vancouver. Cool. Well, I appreciate your time as always, Duncan. Okay, thanks. Duncan Stewart, Director of Research for Deloitte. When we come back, it's App of the Week time with Christina. Stay tuned. You are back with Get Connected. A little bit time left. Of course, it's that time of the program, App of the Week with Christina Stoyanova. Hey, Christina. Hi, Mike. What do we got this week? We have the Star Wars app. Guess why? Because Star Wars is out. Last Jedi. Exactly. Which I know you're dying to see. I am so dying to see it, Mike. I just, uh, I can't contain my excitement, really. You're one of these weird people, and I remember this last (laughs) year, uh, because I wanted to go see Rogue One, the Star Wars story, after the Christmas company Christmas party. You know, I had uh, bought a few tickets for some of the employees, and you said... I've never seen a Star Wars movie. That's right. But I did come and see Rogue One with you guys. Yeah, because we forced you to. Yeah, there there was some uh, arm twisting happening. Yeah, what happened in that movie? Uh, You know what? Uh, It was after the company Christmas party. My memory's a little fuzzy. (laughs) So you were an expert to be talking about the Star Wars app. Totally. (laughs) Okay, tell us about it. But I recognize that our audience is probably full of Star Wars fans, Lots of people who have fond memories of watching Star Wars. So uh, this app actually immerses you in all sorts of great Star Wars things. Breaking news, rich media, social updates, 
uh, and some interactive features, including some AR features around uh, The Last Jedi movie. Very cool. And what uh, platforms is it available on? Available both on iOS and Google Play, and it's free on both. That was Christina with the Star Wars app, app of the week. Don't forget to listen to our app show tomorrow here on CKNW and other stations on the Chorus Radio Network. It's uh, on at 10 a.m. Vancouver time. Check your listings uh, if you're on uh, another station. That's all the time we have left. Mike Agarbo signing off for Get Connected. We'll see you again next time. You've been listening to a 980 CKNW podcast. Listen live at cknw.com, the Radio Player Canada app, Tune in Amazon Alexa, HD Radio at 101.1 FM HD2, and on the AM dial, 980 CKNW.